Well, I want to welcome all of you here as well, all of our campuses, our South Shore Gulf Coast and our online campus to the fourth week of our series entitled Transform. Now, if you weren't here uh, the last few weeks, we're in a series. It's going to be seven weeks long, and we're looking at seven key areas of our lives. Week one, we looked at spiritual health. We're, the, the, the title is called Transform. Why? Because we're believing in every one of these areas We're believing for transformation in 2015. Week one was spiritual health. By the way, I do want to say uh, here at Little Creek or any of our campuses, all of the campuses, we give away free CDs. And so if you weren't here, man, I missed week one or week two, please go by uh, and you can pick one up on the way out. Week two, we talked about physical health. What does the Bible say about physical health? We also talked about the greatest challenge to our health being chronic stress. Now, last week we talked about mental health. What is the Bible? What does the Bible say about mental health? What do the scriptures say about that today? Today, I want to talk to you about emotional health. In other words, in other words, how do you deal with how you feel? How do you deal with how you feel? Throughout scripture, we're encouraged to love God with all of our, watch this, with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all of our mind, with all of our strength. One day Jesus was teaching, and I love this verse in Mark chapter 12. Here's what he says. The most important commandment, here it is. If you you boil the whole Bible down, here it is. The most important commandment. He says is you must love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, that includes your emotional realm, with all of your heart, your soul, your mind, and your strength. Now, I want you to think about that. Jesus could have said, here's the deal. The most important thing for you is you gotta love God. But he expanded that to, listen, you need to love God with all of your heart, with all of your soul. Love God with your mind. Now, that's important because, again, he's writing to Jewish people But again, the Greek-Roman culture that surrounded Bible times, surrounded Palestine and Israel, remember, they were very cranial in their thought process. And so he says, listen, you're going to love God with all your mind. You need to love God with your mind. By the way, that was last week. Having health mentally. The Bible says we are transformed by the renewing of our mind, not the removal of our mind. Thought I'd just add that. So, So we love God with our mind. We also love God with our heart, the deepest core of who we are, our spirit, but we're also to love God with our emotions. You ever thought of that before? How do I love God with my emotions? Man, I didn't even know that that was possible. You mean the Bible actually is encouraging us to love God with our emotions? Remember this, you and I are spirit, soul, and body. You can only separate who we are by way of distinction in a message. Okay, let me tell you what your spirit is. Let me tell you what your soul is, your mind, will, emotion, your body. But the reality is all three are, are combined. Your body carries your spirit and it, it, it carries your mind. And, and your, you, you really can't, you, you, you can't separate them. And so, so what is God saying here? I'll tell you what he's saying. The totality of who we are, we need to love God. And a part of that is we need to love God with our emotions. Now, for those of you that have never heard a concept like that before, loving God with your emotions, the fact is it's, it's, it's in the Bible. 
It's in the scripture. And let me give you the proof text of why that is. Let me give you the thesis of this, all right? Here it is. Matter of fact, I'm going to ask you guys to take your notes out. I've given so much information on this. I'm, I'm really going to encourage you to take notes and, and follow along. The first thing that we see here is if we want to understand our emotions, here it is. Number one, God has emotions. God has emotions. See, you and I are made in the image of God, we're not God, but we're made in the image of God. We're made in the likeness of God and in the dominion of God. Now, what that means is we are, we are made in the image of Almighty God. See, we're not like an animal. We're moral beings. We, 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 are, we are moral creatures. We have an understanding. We're not just instinctually driven, but we have a moral compass where there's a right, there's a wrong. Part of what understanding made in the image of God is, okay, what is God like? I tell you what God is. God thinks, but God also feels. Did you know that God has emotions? Wow, that's pretty heavy. I never thought of that before. Well, the Bible says he sits in the heavens and he laughs. The Bible says that God feels God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, one God. We are monotheistic. We believe in one God, but three distinct persons. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit. All right, watch this. Ephesians talks about grieve not the Holy Spirit. What does it mean to grieve? You ought to read that word in the Greek. It actually means do not feel, do not quench the Spirit. Do not vex the Spirit. Do not put the Spirit out. Do not cause the Spirit to feel pain. Did you know that the Holy Spirit can feel pain? pain. Whoa, I never thought of that before. Oh, Jesus. How about when Jesus was on the earth? Uh, do you remember one time he, he walked into Jerusalem and he was walking in again. He was a Jewish man and he saw all of the Jewish people rejecting God. And the Bible says he looked over the city of Jerusalem. You know what he did? The Bible says he, he wept, the second person of the Trinity. So God the Father, God the Son, God the Spirit, one God, three distinct persons. Listen, God experiences sadness God experiences joy. And if you and I are made in the image of God, then you and I were made with emotions to experience the range of emotions that God even does. Number two, let me talk about emotions. We're talking about emotional health today. Number two, our ability to feel, that's a gift from God. Our ability to feel is a gift from God. You know, cars don't talk to us as much as they used to. Cars, remember like 10 years ago, they were talking a lot to us. They, they don't talk as much. I remember that, that they, I had a car one time and it was like, eh, oil is low. Do you, do you remember that? They would talk now. They don't, they're nonverbal now. I think it's just whatever. Okay, that's called an idiot light. I'm not, that's what they would call it. It's like, eh, oil is low, eh, oil is low. Now here's the point. Do you know that there's a, there, there's, there is a reason that that is going off? It's an indication that something's not going right. Do you know sometimes when you feel emotions, it is a reason you are feeling that because there's some adjustments that need to be made. So the good feelings we feel, excitement, joy, whether it's in church or your family or at a ball game, there's just an excitement. God made you an emotional being. God made you a volitional being, a rational being, an emotional being, and a spiritual being. You, you've got all of that. Feelings are a gift from God. You are not, and I am not, watch this. You are not, and I are not, we're not just a head. We're not just cranial. We, we, can, we can feel they're a gift from God. Now, now there's, there's two extremes we want to avoid. Here we are. Number one, we do want to avoid 
emotionalism. So somebody that has bought in to emotionalism, they believe that life is defined just based upon what they feel. Does that make sense? In other words, uh, their life is all about what they feel. I feel like I want to go to work. I don't feel like I want to go there. I feel like this. I don't feel like this. So they have believed, watch this, they believe, and it's actually a lie, that life is all about what you feel. Well, how many know there's times you got to do things when you don't feel like doing it? So emo somebody that has been marked, these are extremes. Again, we feel and we appreciate. But that person that has bought into this lie that life is only about what you feel, I'm telling you, that person does not fulfill ultimately what God has for this person over here. So there's emotionalism, but there's also stoicism. A Stoic, and by the way, Paul dealt with Stoics in the book of Acts. Remember, there was a Greek culture around him, Stoics, and the Greeks were very cerebral. A stoic believes that life is only defined by what you can think. They don't have any appreciation for feelings at all. Is it rational, cognitive, it's mental? So this person, this person, it's really interesting, this person has no appreciation for emotions, no appreciation for feelings. That's, that's, that's a lower level. No, this, it's all about thoughts. You ought to see when those two people get married. I'm serious. You, you ought to see. Because honestly, that's a stuffer and that's a gusher. How many know what I'm talking about? I mean, this person had gush. Everything just all hang out. And this person, we will not feel feelings in our family. And by the way, by the way, let's be fair. That's not gender specific. This could be a man or this could be a woman. This could be a man. Or are y'all with me? That's very, very, because I've met stoic women and stoic men and gusher men. I've met both, all right? It's always funny. Listen, I used to do a lot of marriage counts. I don't do as much anymore, primarily because I'm not that good. <laughs> I really have a hard time being objective, you know, marriage counseling, you know, and I'm like, wait, wait, you know, and I'm like, you said what? <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, sorry. I'm said professional. Yes, brother. Yes, hey. Was that proper? You know, I'm like, in, you know, I'm like, come on, get that. You know, I'm getting out of my chair and everything. But it's always funny when you see when you see stuffers and gushers. God has made us to feel, and God has made us to think. We need to make sure that we don't end up on either side of the ditch where we define life by either what we think or feel. Are you with me? All right, we're going through this emotional health today. So we want to avoid those extremes. So what are we going to do? Take your notes out. Here's what we're going to do. I want to talk about four things of why we must. 2015, right? This whole series. You don't want to miss next week. I'm going to be talking about relationships. Yeah, I'm going to be going for it next week. You know, it's going to be fun. This whole series is all about how we can experience God's best in 15, whether it's spiritually mentally, emotionally, relationally, financially, vocationally. So I want to talk about why it's important we must learn how to manage our emotions. Number one, all right, pastor, why is it important? I'll tell you why. Number one, because our feelings are often unreliable. Our feelings. See, see if you're somebody, again, we appreciate our feelings, but we don't live by our feelings. Do you see the difference? This person that, that, that is led ultimately by their feelings, I, let, me, let me tell you, they, they, they can get in a ditch quick. How many times have you felt something? I just feel I should do this. I got this hunch. 
I just feel this, and yet you, you, you ended up in the wrong place, in the wrong situation. I'll tell you why. Feelings aren't bad, but we're not led by our feelings. Because sometimes you feel excited, sometimes I feel like going to work. I mean, I mean, raising kids, you know, I don't feel like making my bed. Since when does your feelings have anything to do with this? But when we get to become adults, listen, we, if we, we start making decisions, this is dangerous. If you make decisions based upon how you feel, what if your feeling is wrong and you should have made a different decision? See, as Christians, we're not led by our feelings. We're led by the Spirit of God. Remember, you're an emotional being, but you're ultimately a spiritual being. Your, your emotions can lead you down the wrong path. Proverbs 14, 12, there is a way that seems right. It feels right. feels like I should do it. I mean, I, I, I feel like I should. Again, nothing wrong with your feelings, but here's my question. Here's my question. Anybody that says, I feel like I should, here's what I say. Have you prayed about it? Because if you say, have you prayed about it, now you're pressing deeper than your feeling realm and you're getting into your spirit and your spirit communicates with God. Does that make sense? See, I can feel bad about something, but have peace and I can still move forward. Feelings are not what we're after. It's the peace of God in our hearts that we're after. And there's often a difference. I'm telling you, God's told me to do things at times and I've felt scared. But guess what? I've learned if God speaks, we have to do it afraid. Does this make sense? We're never to be led by our feelings. We are to be led by our spirit. Number two, why must we, why must we learn to manage our emotions? Because we don't want to be manipulated. And if you're somebody that's led by your emotions, again, we enjoy our emotions. We appreciate that old range of emotion that, that God has given us, right? That he, remember, we're made in his image, whether it's sadness or joy or laughter or grief. I mean, that whole thing, God made us. But if we don't understand how to manage our emotions, if we don't understand how to manage them, we can be manipulated by our emotions. And by the way, marketers and advertisers understand this. Now, if you are in that field, you're one of the good ones. Matter of fact, Kenya, who works in our small groups department, she's phenomenal. She really runs it, and Pastor Dave's a pastor, in that, and she runs it. And by the way, she's, she's amazing. She's single, and uh, for all you guys, she's just, I don't know what else to, to say, but so. She's fasting this week, okay? So, so we were fasting, and, and uh, so, so she goes, Pastor, it's amazing, I got home one night, it was like Tuesday, Wednesday, and I wanted to watch a little basketball. And I turned on the TV. It was like, Applebee's never looked so good. <laughs> and then every station was the Food Network. And it was just, it was just like everywhere. Now that's an extreme example of somebody that's fasting, but how many you know our emotions? We we can be, we can, we can, we can, we can, we can make right choices or wrong choices. And by the way, sometimes you make right ones if you're led by your emotions, but sometimes you don't. We got to be careful if we're dominated by our emotions. If we're not listening to the Holy Spirit on the inside of us, we can really get off. Number three, why must we learn to manage our emotions? I'll tell you why. Because we want to please God. We want to please God. God cannot be God. Big statement, huge. God cannot be God in my life if emotions are my God. Either God is my God or my emotions are my God. The Apostle Paul writes something. Romans chapter 8, here's what he says. To be controlled by emotions, my human nature, let me tell you what happens. Man, the results are not good. Not good at all. But to be controlled by the Spirit, let me tell you the results in our life. 
You're controlled by the Holy Spirit. Let me tell you the results, life and peace. Those who obey their emotions, their human nature, they can't please God. And let me tell you something, this is so important. In our culture, I want everybody to hear this. In our culture, well, when I grew up, boy, now I sound like my dad. I remember when I grew up, do you remember you used to do things when we had a, you used to just do things because they were the right thing to do? Do y'all remember that? It was just the right thing to do. See, we don't, we don't talk like that as much in our culture anymore because, because remember, many of the right things to do were principle-led decisions that were often based upon scriptural understanding that was so embedded in our culture. It's the right thing to do. Be an honorable person. Keep your word. It's the right thing to do. Why is that? Thou shalt not lie. See, so much of our culture was impacted by, it was the right, but now it's, and now it's not about, listen, now it's not about do the right thing. Now it's do what feels best. See, what happened? I'll tell you what happened. Guess what? Here it is. God got kicked off the throne and American culture put emotions on the throne. Did you see how that happens? And when emotions are on the throne, guess what? It's, you can't please God and your emotions. Again, emotions are good. God gave us emotions. God has emotions. They're not bad. We're not Stoics, okay? They're good, but, but we're not led, dominated, or manipulated, and we don't worship how we feel. We worship God. We appreciate our emotions. Does this make sense? Number four, thank you for two people. Y'all are excited. I feel love. My self-esteem's up. Anyway, here we go. Number four, why do we want to manage our emotions in 2015? I'll tell you why. Here it is. Because here it is. We want to win in life. Yeah, the Bible, when you open up the Bible, God did not create any junk. God created you to succeed in every part of your life, in every part of it, spiritually, relationally, emotionally, vocationally. And the reality is, is that how we manage our emotions, how we manage our moods, how we manage our attitudes, you know where your attitude comes from, a blending of your thought patterns and your feeling patterns. That's your attitude, all right? So your emotions are involved in that. The person that has learned how to manage their emotions, not stuff, not stuff their emotions, but manage properly, not be led by their feelings, led by the Spirit. Remember, your body, we learned it week two, is the temple of the Spirit. The Spirit of God lives in your heart. That person will succeed in life. Now, listen to me, because this is so important. For years, often the predictor of success for people was based upon IQ. What is IQ? Intelligence quotient. And so for years, 60s and the 50s and 60s, and even in the 70s, that person, you would, you would have, that person has a high IQ and they would have what's called the predictor of success. The, the possibility of this person to succeed was often based upon the level of their cognitive capacity, their intelligence Quotient, IQ. Thank God the last 20 years has been an adjustment. In business literature, many of you in the business world, in the educational dimension, all right, the professional world, now what people are looking at, it's not so much their IQ. You can have an average IQ, but if you have a high EQ, what is that? Your emotion quotient, your emotional intelligence, the predictor for success is much higher. You can have average intelligence, but good emotions, good ability to get along with people. How many know you can't go along in life if you can't 
get along with people. And that's related to how you manage your emotions. I mean, who listen, if you're a manager, who wants somebody working for you that you now have this anxiety on the inside when you have to go deal with them because you know every time that you deal with them and try to coach them up, they explode. Worse, if you're the boss and people now have to manage you because you're, oh gosh, or if you're a dad. My, listen, I'm not suggesting that you can't be firm, but I am suggesting somebody that loses their cool and they start just doing what, I mean, I'm just telling you, the person that can control their emotions and they have the ability to feel, but appropriately feel and still be able to push through. Let me give you two words. You want to write these down. This is extra. You guys ready? I learned this from the famous Randy Craighead, who's been a right-hand man to me for almost the beginning of the church. I'm 46, he's much older. <laughs> Seriously, lots. But Randy taught me, I'm telling you, this is so powerful. Everybody needs to write this down. This is so powerful. Randy taught me this, and it's so good. He said for years, he said, Steve, these are the, these are the things. Number one, he said, Steve, you've got to learn how to absorb. Everyone say absorb. You've got to learn how to absorb impact without melting down. So what absorption means is that when you get hits in life, and by the way, hits are going to come. How do I know that? Jesus promised it. In this world, you're going to have hits. Where's that in the Bible? In this world, you're going to have tribulation. But be of good cheer. You've overcome the world. So uh, Jesus has overcome the world, and he lives inside of you. So you're going to have hits in life. You work for a business. You are in business. You have a relationship with somebody, boyfriend, girlfriend. You're married. You're raising kids. That's multiple hits. Boom, boom, boom. So so you, listen, listen. You've got to learn how to absorb. Everyone say absorb. You get hit. Boom. And when you get hit, you don't freak out, flake out, black out, burn out, melt out. You, you, you learn how to boom, take a hit. But you've got enough emotional sustainability and consistency. Your internal constitution is at a place where you catch your breath and you're able to, you're able to stand. That's important. That's absorbing. If you want to succeed in life, in family, in business, in sport, in anything, I mean, we see hotheads in the sports world. Let me tell you something. I don't care how much talent you have. You can't get along with your coach, your team. You're not going to make it. You got to learn how to absorb. Number two is push through. Everyone write that down, push through. See, when you and I are faced with a challenge and emotionally it's painful, there's a tendency and there's the propensity of our human flesh because it hurts, right? It hurts is that there's this tendency to, 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 take the, to take the path of least resistance. All right, let me give you an example. I've had to learn as a leader. I've had to learn as a dad. I've had to learn as a husband. I've had to learn as a pastor. There's many, 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 many times where I've had to make decisions and do things when I didn't feel, when I didn't feel comfortable doing them, but I had to learn to push through because it was the right thing. Everyone say absorb, push through. Those are both related to the realm of your emotions. All right, now, let me give you three last things. You guys learn anything? I'm going to give you three last things. First Peter 4, 2, before I do that, from now on, 2015, here's my scripture related to emotional health. Here it is. 2015, First Peter 4, 2, from now on, Steve, I want to live the rest of my years. I want to live this year. I want to live it controlled by God's word, controlled by God's will, 
controlled by God's spirit and not controlled by my emotions. It's not that I don't appreciate my emotions. I don't want to be controlled by my emotions. All right, let me give you three Three ways now that we're going to deal with them. I've given you understanding. Remember, every message that I do, it's always two things. What I want you to know and what I want you to do. What the Bible wants us to know and what the Bible wants us to do. Here we go. Let's talk about what we can do. How to manage unwanted feelings. How to manage those emotions that are trying to shipwreck your life. They're trying to derail your life. We've all had them. We all experience them. What do I do? Number one, you have to learn to name it. First thing you have to do in dealing with an emotion that's unhealthy or any emotion that's really, that's really hanging you up is you got to identify. You got to be specific. There, there is a lie, and I think it's a lie in the body of Christ, that somehow you can't be honest about what you're feeling. Now, I'm not talking about just talking negative for the sake of talking negative, but how many know there's times where you got to get out what's in you because you can't fix what you can't name? If I can't identify the problem, I don't know how to challenge the, the outcomes. I, I don't know how to deal with it. By the way, anybody that thinks that you may freak God out if you're honest with God, some of the new people, some of the people that you've been here for a while, you've heard this before, but, but, but some of the, this is my best illustration. I just thought of this. None of y'all, none of the service, you're oh, only service you're getting this this week. God does not get freaked out when you confess how you're hurting. I want everybody to know that. It's like Pastor Jacob Rands, my pastor. One day he was witnessing to that guy. Remember that story? He was witnessing to that guy, this drunk guy. And he says, Lord. And Jacob, this guy, he wasn't making sense. And, 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 and Pastor Jacob said, look, all right, here's the deal. Look, dude, I, I, I'm, we're not going to talk anymore. Look, can I just pray for you? Oh, yeah, you can pray for me, preacher. And so he put his hand and said, and Pastor Jacob goes, Lord, I just pray that you'd, you'd just help this drunk guy and you'd reveal yourself, Jesus, to him. And the drunk guy goes, preacher, preacher, don't tell the Lord I'm drunk. Just tell him I'm sick. <laughs> How many know God knows that guy's drunk? <laughs> Jesus doesn't go, the guy's drunk. God is not freaked out. Are y'all with me? <laughs> That's why it's so important. Listen, you have scriptural precedents. The Old Testament, the book of Psalms, 60, by the way, there's 66, 66 books in the Bible. Did y'all know that? 65 books in the Bible are primarily what? God's, God speaking to us. There's one book in the Bible it's primarily about man speaking to God. Does anybody know what that is? Book of Psalms. It's 75% of it is David. You talk about somebody who's honest before God. I love David. God, you're amazing. You're beautiful. You're my stronghold. And God, did you see those idiots kill every stinking one of them? That's in the Bible. Wipe them all out, God. You think God was going to obey David? No. You know what David doing? He was being honest before God. Number one, if you want to get healed, you've got to name what's going on in your soul. You got to say it. You, you, you got to say it. You, you got to say, you know what? Let me tell you what I'm struggling with. Let me tell you what I'm dealing with. Psalms 55, 2, David said, my thoughts are restless. I'm confused. I want to help you clear up the confusion right now. You do not have to be scared of identifying 
that feeling that's not been healthy. All right, let's get real transparent here. I told you week one a little bit about my story four years ago. I remember sitting at the kitchen table, and I remember the day sitting there with my wife, and I said, honey, I got to just, I got to just say this. I got to just get it out. She goes, what? I said, I have anxiety on the inside of me that I just cannot overcome. It's just, it has just gripped itself to my stomach. I'm just anxious. The moment I said that, all of a sudden my mind, and I believe the Holy Spirit on the inside of me, began to position myself how to deal with that. But I had to confess. I had to say, I'm struck. I have this anxiety. Again, if you weren't here week one, we were in a capital campaign, building campaign, the economy's crashing, this whole building's going on, and I'm trying to figure out what to do, and oh my gosh, and my thoughts. And so, so I've got all this anxiety. So number one, the, listen, I remember the day, February 2010. I had to say, I am dealing with anxiety, and I can feel it right in my stomach, and I'm night and day with this thing. Everybody say, name it. All right, now watch this. I'm going to teach you how to overcome it. Number two, once you name it, if it's fear, name it. Just name it. I'm dealing with fear. I'm not saying you're surrendering to fear, but this emotion, you're dealing with it, all right? And it's powerful. It's like, all right, now you can challenge it. Now watch this. Now you can challenge this thing. You and I have to challenge what we're feeling. You don't have to automatically accept the feeling accounted as true, that's not, no, 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 not, not at all. So, so what did I do? Psalms 26.2, examine me, Lord. God, help me to get inside. I had to confess it. I had to break the silence. I'm dealing with anxiety. Examine me, test me, evaluate my inner motives, evaluate my thoughts. Oh, God, help me. And now, now all of a sudden, watch this, I was willing to step forward. Thank God for a small group. I've always been in a small group. Thank God for pastors over me, for elders next to me. Thank God for leaders around me that, 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 that I could go be honest. I named it. Now I can challenge this. Now I'm asking the question. See, until you name it, you keep denying it. As long as you deny it, you can't get victory over it. Now I'm challenging this thing. I'm not going to live like this all the day. I'm not going to live like this. I'm not going to submit to this. Let me give you three questions that you need to go through after you've named it to help you deal with and overcome this. Number one, number one, this is all in your notes. What's the real reason I'm feeling this? It goes back to what we talked about. I've got this worry. I've got this worry. Watch this. I got to ask myself these questions. What is the real reason why I'm feeling anxious? Remember this, because emotions are not neutral. They're a byproduct of your thoughts. So in other words, what thoughts have I been thinking that are producing these feelings? And I'll tell you what some of them are. You guys ready? Here you go. Here were some of my thoughts. Oh my gosh. Oh my gosh. What's going to happen if we don't pull off this building? I, I'm going to look like an absolute idiot. Here it is. Thoughts. They're now in my feelings. I'm feeling anxious, anticipating the negative possibility or outcome, and I'm feeling. Here's another one. Here's another one. All right, here's another one. 
because I'm burning out, preaching five services and all this stuff. And, and I remember our elder says, you're no longer going to do five. You're now going to do three. And we're going to play a video at the eight o'clock and the 6.45 on Saturday. I'm like, video? What, are we going to start serving popcorn? Is this a movie? I've got to preach all five services because I, because I, unhealthy messianic thought processes that are not healthy. Here's another one. If I don't do it, it's not going to get done right. Come on, leaders. You know exactly what I'm talking about. And so all these unhealthy, here's the big one. Here was another big one. And I remember this when my pastor and my elders said, I can no longer do this. And this one ripped my heart out. Here it is. You ready? All this is producing this anxiety. You can no longer do the membership class. You can't do five weekend services and three hour membership class in this big building campaign. And I actually said this. But I don't think people will stay in the church unless they meet me. I remember one of my elders said, oh, you're bigger than Jesus. <laughs> and I went, that's not fair. <laughs> so, so you got to understand this. So, 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 so I, I, you have to ask yourself, why are you feeling this? C can I tell you what all, all this anxiety was from? The underbelly of this, the underpinnings of it, were lies that I believed. They were lies. Number one, what's the real reason I'm feeling this? Number two, is it true? Do you remember I, I, Elijah one day? Elijah, here's what he said. God, I'm the only one that hasn't bowed to those wicked prophets of Baal. And God goes, eh, not true. I got 7,000 other people that didn't either. Is what you're feeling being caused by something road rage? Man, I don't know why, Pastor, I get so angry and I'm driving. I'm a salesman I, or salesperson. I, I don't know what's going on with me and I'm driving. Well, here, could it be that behind your anger is fear that you feel that if you don't get to that next client and you don't close the deal, you're not going to have enough money to pay your car payment because you really believe that it's about you and that God isn't your provider. Yeah, you've got to work, but God is ultimately your provider. You don't believe that. So you're angry, but you're really fearful. Does that make sense? You're really fearful. So, so why am I thinking this? Is it true? Here, here's the last one. Is this, and, and this, is, this is how I, I began my road of recovery, of getting out of anxiety. And by the way, I'm not always, I'm, I'm not, I, listen, some of y'all are like, this guy needs help. I know. <laughs> I've been getting it for years. And any preacher that doesn't say that, that's the one you have to fear. Just remember that. Just remember that. The one that hides behind the Bible like he's got everything taken care of. Let me tell you something. I, I have no problem saying, listen, we're all in process. I'm a preacher, but I'm also a Christian, and I'm in process. That's why I said I'm not where I want to be, but I'm not where I used to be. Are y'all with me? All right, here we go. You have to ask yourself this, and this is one that I'm really doing. Here it is. Here it is. Is what I'm feeling helping me or hurting me? Valentine's is coming up, guys. I know y'all got reservations. It's going to be awesome because your wife is, it's again, you've got her. It's a beautiful piece of, you know, thing, jewelry. And it's going to be awesome. And so, hint, hint. So, anyway, it's Valentine's night. You walk into the restaurant and uh, you get there a little bit early. And this couple gets in behind, come in, comes in back of you, after you. And the hostess 
walks right over to the couple that came in after you and took them and sat them at a two-top. It's only you and your wife, and they sat them before you. Now, you, you're a Christian, so you don't really want to get in the flesh. You just said, look, I, oh, that's kind of strange. You, 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 meant, you take a mental note of that, right? You're like, what's up, you know? What's up? That's cool, you know, that's cool. I got other plans. You know, things are happening here with, you know. So you sit out at two top and it's you and your wife, you know, you're just thinking it's just awesome. Oh, you're just amazing. I just love you. And just, there's heart connect. Things are happening. And you're Tarzan, she's Jane. Come on, you know what I'm talking about. You're having good feelings and there's a, you're believing God for an outpouring of the spirit that night. And so we're in church, mature audience. Children are next door. Here we go. Look, look, look. So somebody else comes in after you and sits at another table on this side. And the waiter goes over to them. Now, you've been there 10 minutes. The waiter goes over to them, takes their order, and you're like, what's up with that? Now, you're trying to be passionate and connected, but you're bothered. And you're watching, you're calculating the injustices that are tabulating since you've been in this restaurant. And you're like, and they get their drinks before you. They get their food before you. And you want to say this. You actually slip out. You're like, how long have y'all been here? And that guy's like, dude, I, I, I don't know. Do I know you? And you're like, no, seriously. Have you noticed that like we were in here and why are you eating? And so now, and so now your wife's going like, she, she's, she's doing this. She's going, stop it. And you're going, no, I'm bothered. I want to see a manager. Let me tell you something, buddy. You're going to win the battle and lose the war because no revival's happening later that night. <laughs> Nothing. You, listen, you got to stop and say, it's what I'm feeling right now. Helping me or hurting me? Let me help you. You hurting called not smart <laughs> we have to ask ourselves we can so it's like wait a minute bigger picture everybody say bigger picture is what I'm allowing myself to feel helping or hurting so you have to ask yourself that I ask myself that all, all the time Everybody say, name it, challenge it, tame it. Let, let me give you this last thing. Sometimes we need to change what we're feeling. Sometimes it's good, sometimes it's bad. Again, we're not led by our feelings. Pastor, how, what do you do? Let me give you, again, we don't have, the, I don't build much now, but I remember the chalk line, my dad and I, we, we used to pop that. What is the chalk line? What is the, what is the plumb line that you evaluate your feelings based on? Here it is. Philippians 2, your attitude. What is your attitude? Your attitude is a blending of your thought patterns and your emotional patterns. That's what your attitude is, okay? Your outlook is your mental and emotional habits meshed together. That forms your attitude. Let your attitude, it should be the same as Christ. So here's the question I have. Here it is. Ask this question. Is what I'm feeling right now bringing me closer to or further away from God? Does that make sense? Let me give you this last and final thing. Here's a, here's a way to tame it. Sometimes you need to channel what you're feeling. See, the fact is, in that restaurant, that wasn't an injustice. That wasn't. But there are times when there are real injustices. And there's times when real injustices happen to you in your life. How do you deal with it? 
One of the things that I've learned in my life and one of the things I've learned pastoring people and being in ministry, helping people for 25 years is you can't ultimately get healed just trying to work on yourself. That ultimate healing comes, listen, and I believe in getting proper counseling. I believe in getting each small groups and prayer. I believe in all of that. But I also know that there's an added dimension here that ultimately you can't get whole until you take your eyes off yourself and find somebody else that's hurting worse than you. There's a principle there. The greatest way to redeem your past is help someone else's future. Let me say it again. The greatest way to redeem your past, ma'am, sir, I know, I know that if we had all the stories in here, if I shared all of my stories and all my upbringing, everybody's had a hurt, everybody's had a pain, everybody's had a hope, everyone's had a dream. Many people have been abused and neglected. But here's the thing. One of the greatest ways to get healed of that, yes, we go to God and the truth and the Holy Spirit, but ultimately, we've got to take our eyes off of ourselves and channel that emotion, channel that injustice, channel that, don't miss this, and make the past place of pain the place of future mission to help other people. When you do that, a transformation takes place. I'm going to ask everybody to stand.